Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company. The Camino de Santiago is a series of pilgrimages across Europe. Pilgrims have walked the Camino for more than 1,500 years. You were once granted a plenary indulgence if you walked the Camino. You were absolved of your sins. The majority of pilgrims finished their walk in Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain. Santiago de Compostela translates as St. James under a field of stars. We're told the remains of Christ's apostle St. James the Greater, the son of Zebedee, are interred in a silver casket beneath the majestic cathedral in the town square. The Camino has a reputation for providing pilgrims an opportunity to learn more about themselves. Pilgrims return to their day-to-day lives with a, a new lease on life, a fresh perspective on what is important in life. And I can guarantee you, not one of them will tell you it's about big screen TVs and new carpet or new lounge. The more I think about my Caminos, the more I realise firstly how lucky I am to be able to physically and financially afford to go on a pilgrimage in Europe, and secondly, how much I hope to maintain the simplicity that the pilgrimage teaches. The British writer and lay theologian C.S. Lewis once said, you are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. The Camino calls us. I walked from Sahun to Santiago in 2016, and the following year, I walked from Lourdes to Santiago. I have my first credential in a frame above my computer in my studio right here. It's a reminder every day of what I achieved. And I'd love to have the opportunity to wallpaper the entire wall with credentials. You're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. My guest this week is Gary Chesters. Gary reached out to me from Tasmania about a year ago. In fact, it was a year ago yesterday. He wanted information about the Camino, books, websites and the like. And we bounced back and forth from time to time. And then this year we spoke in February and he said he was going. You are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. Gary Chesters is on the line from Tasmania. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hey, Dan. Before we dig deep into your Camino story... Tell us your story. Tasmania is a beautiful place to call home, but you can tell by your accent, you're not Australian. No, that's right, yes. Um, I'm originally from this place called Stoke-on-Trent. That's uh, known also as a potteries. Uh, it's in England, of course, and by the accent. <laughs> and I moved to Tassie oh, about nearly eight years ago now. And tell us about how you first heard about the Camino de Santiago. Oh, I heard about the Camino quite, oh, quite a few years ago now, and it was obviously through the usual sort of sources of, you know, watching the Way uh, movie, and uh, reading some of Paulo Coelho's books in uh, the Alchemist and the Pilgrimage, and yeah, I I was going for a difficult time in my life, so it kind of called out to me, and I needed to, yeah, I need to walk it. That's what happened basically. Would you call yourself a spiritual person? Yeah, I'd say I'm a sp- definitely a spiritual person. Yeah. You're, you're an outdoorsy bloke. Uh, I know you've spent a lot of your life underwater. There's something about yeah. the sea that's very calming. Do you get that from the mm. ocean? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I used to be a scuba diving instructor. And before then, since a young age, I've always been uh, enthralled by the ocean. And 
and it's uh, mysteries, I guess. And through diving, I found it to become like almost a meditation for me. So to put those two together was, yeah, was sort of the path I was sort of following um, initially in life. And then I found that um, instructing wasn't sort of me anymore. And I continue, but I still continue to dive, which again, I, I really enjoy. Tell us about how the Camino called out to you. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> well, as we've spoken on the course, you know, on the, on the, the VMs and of course on uh, different other platforms, I was saying that I had um, a breakup from um, a 13 year relationship primarily and me and my partner at the time, we, we planned to go together um, in the whole year, which was, I believe, it was 2021. And um, things have been sort of quite rocky for many years. And in the end, the breakup happened. It's a really bad time. Well, it's never a good time, I guess. And um, But the whole time, the Camino was sort of calling me while I was, you know, while I was sort of getting around my day-to-day. And I was thinking a great deal about it. And... When this happened, this was kind of like the icing on, on the cake, so to speak. And I, I reached out to you at that point, and I was quite awestruck <laughs> that you that you called me back, and um, that we had we had a, an interesting chat over the phone in regards to that. And I think I got talking too much as usually I do sometimes, and you kind of stopped me mid sentence and said, "Just do it." <laughs> and then I think I tried to continue to talk, and you said once again, "Just do it." And yeah, I I did I did just that. Did you feel at that stage in your life you needed something, something more? I feel like, I mean, I travelled a bit, quite a bit before um, settling in Tasmania. And obviously I met my girlfriend travelling, you know, 13 years ago. And, you know, of course, settling in Tas, it's it's a beautiful place. um, And again, which we can go into, I I am leaving um, due to certain reasons, of course, um, about the relationship. But uh, yeah, the Tassie will always be, um, feel like a home, should I say. Uh, yeah, so yeah, going back to your question, yeah, I, I feel like I needed to, I don't know why, but I, I felt like the answers were were there for me on the Camino. And the drive to go and do that was so strong that literally, I think the breakup was on the Wednesday and I'd sort of had two days off work um, because of the breakup, personal reasons. And I was out time off because I'd been there for quite some years. And um, and yeah, and uh, then I just decided to to go and to go and walk the Camino. And I think on Saturday I arrived in the UK and on the 11th of March I was, yeah, getting on the train and ready to head to St. Sean Peter Paul. What does it feel like, um, that feeling that you know... I've come to the end of something here and I want to go and walk the Camino to start afresh. Can you put that into words, that feeling? I can try. Uh, I think fear is one one word I could say that I felt. Uh, Excitement. Um, I guess it's not really one particular word that would describe the whole experience. It was... It was it was great amount of mixed emotions really, uh, uh, yeah worry and um, I'm, I'm making the right decision, I'm doing the right thing, and um, but the, the the pull to do that was so great it um, shadowed everything else really. So I know I had all these other 
emotions going on, but the, the, the pull was so great to, to go and walk the Camino that I just felt like, I don't know why I couldn't describe it, I needed to go and do this. And regardless of those emotions, I, I just kept pushing forward. It was a very much, uh, I won't say a spur of the moment thing, but it was hasty in a sense because all of these uh, all of these things in your life sort of conspired to provide the opportunity for you to go. So you're not someone who would have done a lot of research or, or necessarily training um, for the Camino. So how did you find coping with all of the logistics and everything required of, of, of the pilgrimage when you just sort of packed up and went? Yeah, that was it. That was that's very interesting, actually, because um, what it was is, uh, yeah, you, you you were very right there. I didn't sort of do the research I did, um, which was listening to a few podcasts or more than a few, of course. And um, but you you couldn't put it into context because all the places that everyone was talking about on the on the podcast here, they they weren't relevant to me because I couldn't put them on a map and I didn't know where they were, and I didn't have any any books to go by because. Originally, we went to get the Briley book, and it was out of stock, and it was coming back in the year after, where we thought, oh, we're well, not in any rush. You know, we've got a few years before we go on the Camino. We'll order the new one. So I didn't, yeah, have anything. You know, so I landed in St. John with no idea of the next place was or what it was called or what I was staying. <laughs> and that continued from pretty much the whole Camino. I didn't have a map or a guidebook or anything really and sometimes i'd have to ask the albergue or the municipal uh, you know where i was heading to the next day which was which was very different from from my usual sort of i try to uh, pencil everything down and schedule everything to make sure that you know i get the, the most out of it and no stresses are sort of part of it i guess um yeah, and that just definitely wasn't it. <laughs> yeah, so so being somebody who would normally have a plan um, and be very organised, as you just said, how did that feel, having the freedom to sort of wing it? It was, um, yeah, it was it was very uh, confronting, but at the same time, it was it was definitely um, a great personal growth for me because I think I pushed myself out of definitely my comfort zone you know immensely and by doing it it felt felt fantastic like I have heard stories before about people saying you know don't plan it and I was kind of thinking oh you know that's that's definitely not me I've got to plan it to make sure that it's all in place yeah and 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 as you but as you walked so you know let's say for instance you're you're walking between Pamplona and Loronio so you, you know you're a week or so a couple of weeks in or what have you did you did you start to relax and think, oh, well, it's okay, I'll, I'll be okay? Well, it's strange because as soon as I got on the Camino, I, like I'm a self-proclaimed procrastinator at times, and but literally as soon as I got on the Camino, I had this amazing calming feeling that everything was going to be okay, that everything was going to... I didn't, I didn't know why or how, but I just knew that everything was going to be fine. That that pretty much happened day one. And maybe, potentially maybe that's because I've traveled before, but I'd never traveled really on my own before. So this was, again, the first time I'd kind of really traveled, um, I suppose, by myself to that extent. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was quite a, you know, a different experience because before I, I got there, I was, yeah, I was lots of different emotions for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really sort of scared, I guess. Yeah. 
And and the Camino is a long way from Tasmania too. So, and pilgrims who travel from Australia, it's a very long way. So mm. when you finally step foot on the Camino, you're kind of almost exhausted just by virtue, yeah. by virtue of travelling from the other side of the world as well, aren't you? Yeah, definitely, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how far yeah, did you walk thing. each day, pretty much? Well, the first day, I'm not sure how accurate it is, um, but the first day I walked from St. John to Roncesvalles. Um, and I think the first couple of days, to be honest, I, I didn't really talk to anyone, really. I was kind of quite um, working through a lot of stuff and I walked very, very fast. And um, when the first day, I didn't even know I was going to go to Roncesvalles. Um, I thought I was going to stay in St. John. And towards the middle of the day, I called my auntie up on the phone and she said, uh, well, the next place is in four hours away because I'd spoke to a local. Why don't you just walk to there? So I got to there and, uh, yeah, eventually unraveled that I got to, to Roncesvalles in the end. But primarily I did big kilometers most days and I think I, I kind of tried to stick to the Briley book because what I did is people obviously walking the Camino they had the books and I'd ask them where we're going to the next day and they would say such and such and that was usually because they had the book and so I'd find out how many k's so I'd, I'd usually stick to that primarily but I'd probably be averaging I mean the first day it said 37 k's but I don't believe that's true and then the next day was 31 because I pushed past um, Zubiri, which was from Roncesvalles, and I got to this little place next to that, which was another 7Ks on from that. So, yeah, definitely the first couple of days I was doing big kilometres, and then in the middle I was doing, you know, I'd, I'd push past a couple of places. Um, obviously, I met certain people that um, I really wanted to travel with, and I guess that's the great thing about not having, you know, an itinerary, because you can do that. You meet some people, you think, oh, I really like this person. They're moving on to the next town, you know, Hey, I've got the, I've got the the ability to do that now because I don't have a set plan. So, yeah. And did you walked in mid March um, through mid April? Was it busy? Yeah, I think it was an amazing time. I mean, when I when I first got there, I was quite worried because coming in on the train, the very small train, as you know, and coming in on the train, there was like one other person on that train, and I was like, oh no, is it going to be like anyone on this walk? And because my grandparents was sort of saying to me, I said, when, when does it start? I'm like, well, it doesn't kind of, there's no start date. You just kind of go. And then <laughs> you start walking. <laughs> and he's like, so there's no start date. And we're like, well, not really. No, you just kind of you know, walk. And um, so, yeah, I, don't, I think it was a lot quieter than it usually is by talking to people that had, had done it before. Um, so I think it was a really good time, to be honest. Like it was, I believe it was the perfect time to go yeah. and for me. Yeah, because I, I met this one other pilgrim that was done it six times, uh, an older lady, and she said this is this time um, is beautiful. This is the perfect time, she was saying. And were all the albergues open? There was Most of them weren't open. Obviously, there's, the one, there's a couple that weren't, um, which wasn't really problematic because, again, you would back and forth people. I mean, because there's always, as I found walking the Camino, you know, it wasn't empty. There were people. You never walk alone, which... The guy in um, St. John told me that, and I was kind of hoping that was the case. And it is true, you never you never do walk alone. So, But there's only one instance where it became a problem, and I'm not sure what the town was called, but there was no albergues open except one. And at that point, it started getting quite busy, and that albergue did fill up, and I had to push past that for another 7Ks, and that was on the end of, you know, um, 
I think it was a 29k day or something mm. like that. So that was the only time I ever found it to be an issue. And, and of course, you know, towards the end, the last 100 kilometers, that started to be a bit hairy because you get a lot of school groups starting and, and then they do start filling up towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. Did you actually at any stage work out how fast you walked? No, I didn't know. I, I really so, wish I had one of those watches. I actually bought one of those watches now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I interesting. Really, I really wish I did. Yeah, it's interesting because you said seven Ks, um, and you, I would be thinking that would uh, seven Ks would take you about an hour and a half, I'd imagine, um, if you yeah. if you're sort of walking the average kind of pace. I walked with some uh, pilgrims in 2017 who walked six Ks an hour. That's how fast they walk. Yeah, and they really were—they were fast, you know. Mm. And walking with them was really kind of—I didn't enjoy it very much because yeah. they were too fast for me. Uh, I'm mm. a lot—I'm not really that—that—that that, that fast. But I just thought I'd ask that question because I wondered if you had. How did you find the albergue experience in general? Yeah, it was really good. Um, just going back to that question quickly, um, I did kind of work it out in like an hourly rate. Um, um, which was around about it was around about six to seven, depending on how fast I was pushing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't figure that till towards the sort of end. And but you know, accurately, I can't really yeah. say so exactly. Obviously, I watch. Yeah, so so you walked. You think you think you walked about six k's an hour? Yeah, cause I yeah that's last, pretty quick. One of the last, yeah, I mean, I didn't do that the whole time though, I mean, and I think. I think what happened was the first couple of days I was beating, like, I beat most people to the different places um, as I was finding. But then I was doing it because I was trying to take out, I guess, emotions on the Camino. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and then I realized that my body wasn't ready for that quite yet. Yeah. And he told me by soon, I, you know, my feet hurting, like they were going to have to drop off on you know, the first couple of days. So I didn't meet um, a person that was, I guess say less less fitted than me, and you know we sort of walked together for for a day, which slowed me down. And yeah, and I think and I and I think I had spurts where I'd actually go and walk really fast, depending on my mood, and that was like good therapy for me. I think in regards to my emotions um, and sort of working through those. And we we, we talked about the albergue experience. I, I just wondered. Um, you stayed, you mentioned municipals. Did you stay mainly in municipals? And what did you make of the whole albergue experience? Because there would be people listening now thinking, I couldn't possibly sleep in a room with 20 other people. <laughs> you, you know, well, or in Nahira where there's 90 in the room. Um, mm-hmm. What did you make of the albergue experience? I think um, it's, it's a mixed, ex- mixed experience and it's very accurate when people say they're snorers. And I do hear that a lot. I did hear I did hear that a lot when oh, I was yeah. listening to podcasts or people's stories, and oh, I didn't yeah. quite grasp the <laughs> uh, the the depth of some of the snorers that you know the bed was literally shaped. I remember I remember staying in in one place, and literally I was on the top bunk, and this guy was underneath me, and every time he'd snore, he wouldn't just snore; he would shake after every snore. So this, <laughs> this bed was like, you know, this, um, this bed had obviously been in, slept in quite a lot and the whole bed would just, yeah, would just shake. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, um, you're that tired towards the end of the day. Um, and if you've got earplugs, you know, I highly recommend earplugs. Then, yeah, there's, you do get a good sleep and, uh, well, not all the time, of course. But yeah, you, you kind of, it's good really because it's very, 
as far as I'm aware, only pilgrims can stay in most of these places. So it's kind of like, I guess, a family experience. You're all, you're all sort of there. It's kind of a, you kind of almost feel like a part, well, you're a part of something. You're, you know, you're a pilgrim, you're walking to Santiago. So, you know, you're sharing these spaces primarily with other pilgrims. So, you know, you're, you're all kind of walking, you're all kind of on this journey. So that was quite cool. The fact is, you know, that was primarily the case where you should share this time with those people. Yeah, it is lovely. I, I love that aspect of it too, um, that you're all in this together. Mm. Yeah, that's a terrific thing. Um, did you do it easily, the walking? Um, you mentioned that you had sore feet, but by and large, did you get through pretty unscathed? No, definitely not. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I am, um, yeah, definitely not. There's it quite a few incidents. Uh, I mean, I thought I was fairly all right anyway because, I mean, I, I do a great deal of hiking here in Tassie and I have done for many years. Most weekends, you know, I try to get out you know, at, least, at least every once a fortnight anyway. And, um, but yeah, nothing, nothing sort of really prepares you for walking you know, every single day with a 10K pack on. I mean, because I had I had a sleeping bag and things like that, because obviously it's colder, a bit colder to begin with, so I had to, you know, get the right amount of stuff. I was trying to keep it to 6Ks, sorry, um, 6 kilograms, yeah, um, but actually ended up being close to 10. So that sort of abuse on the feet area was terrible. And um, after, I believe it was, you know, a week, I think I got away with it for like a week or two, and then it just, really bad things started happening. Like, <clears throat> I took my boots off and started walking these other things, like um, I guess trekking sort of. I don't know use weird sandals, but yeah, when it was hot, like a hot day, and the back of my um, feet were just like the ankles were just split, like really bad, um, to the point where every single time I stepped, I would get pain through it, um, and I started to get really bad pain from the on my right side of my leg going up the tendon, where I'd literally have to stop and put my leg up in like a on an angle and rotate my my ankle to relieve the the pressure from from the uh, the pulling which was yeah very uncomfortable walking mid or walking from march and april you mentioned there it was a bit cool was it wet did you experience much wet weather walking well i think primarily most of the time i was lucky i mean the first couple of days there two or three days it was um, misty, it was cold, um, you know, in France. Um, well, as soon as I started crossing to Spain, it started to heat up quite quickly. And, you know, I was really lucky, actually. Most of the days on the Camino were sunny. Um, to, unless, you know, right towards the end there, when you go across into Galicia, the first couple of days were fine. But then, obviously, you know, in Galicia, it starts to pour down. Um, but primarily, it was, we had everything. We had snow as well at one point. Yeah. Um, so we... We had everything, yeah. We had wind, snow, every, every sort of weather condition you can think of. You can get by on about 20 euros a day if you put your mind to it. That's not even 30 Australian dollars a day. Were you, mm. were you surprised how cheap it can be on the Camino? Oh, massively. Massively, yeah. Like I, I was budgeting for, you know, 40 a day and I wasn't spending that. And towards the end, I kind of treated myself and – in major cities like Leon, Burgos, and, and booked in hotels, and when I was in those major cities, and um, but primarily I stayed the whole time in Albergues and municipals, and any time I stayed in in hotels was in 
yeah, in the major cities, I guess. How much did you pay for those hotels in the major cities? Do you remember? I think it's around about anywhere between 40 and 50 euros. Okay, right. Something like that. So, yeah. you know, that does push the year, uh, push yeah. it up quite a lot. Yeah. But there's only, you know, you've only got a handful of major cities. Yeah, sure. And I followed you on social media during the Camino. It was fabulous, actually. But you posted a lot of pictures and comments about food and wine. Mm. It's a pretty special part of the trip, isn't it? Of the oh, journey. Massively, yeah. yeah. Yeah, massively, yeah. And I think it's because I was saving so much money. You know, I mean, I was eating the pilgrim meals. And, um, but also as well, because, you know, it is cheap over there. I was treating myself here and there. And, um, yeah, the food is it's amazing. I think you, you were, and there was this one place up in the mountains, and I can't remember the name. I had this cheesecake with, like from the local village, and it was just the most best cheesecake <laughs> I've ever had. It was amazing. Yeah, the cake is great. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, tell us about arriving in Santiago. What was it like? It was, um, I think it was, it was emotional. Um, it was raining that day, and yeah, the bagpipes were playing. And that's always, that's, that always gets you. Um, but I think for me, it didn't hit me as hard as I guess I was expecting it to. And I think the reason behind that is everyone had told me when they got there, you know, straight away they, they broke down and, and so on and so forth. And I guess I was, I walked into Santiago thinking as soon as I hear the bagpipes, I'm going to, you know, be a blithering, brilliant, blithering idiot, so I'm crying myself sort of to, to, the, to the entrance. But um, I think because I thought that, maybe that's why it didn't happen for me there. Um, I had a couple of emotional experiences on the Camino, but the end was more, yeah, it wasn't quite like that for me. There was emotion, a great deal of it there, of course. You know, you've completed this um, massive thing you know you're walking nearly 800 kilometers through france and spain it's, it's a massive achievement but yeah it was it just wasn't like that i think because i expected it to be maybe yeah i, I yeah it, it means sort of different things to different people and people react in different ways um i know that i've seen people uh, who come back the following day who arrive and think yeah mm. yeah and then they come back the next day and just being in the in the town square and staring up at the cathedral and being there when other people arrive, they get yeah. more they seem to get more out of it the following day. I think that yeah. you're right. Walking nearly eight hundred kilometers across France and Spain is a big achievement. It's a it's, massive, yeah. It is massive. And mm. and if, if I said to you here in Australia, I'm gonna walk from Brisbane to Sydney. People mm. would say, what? That's insane. Yeah. Yet, yeah. And yet, you know, here we are with you, you, you do it in France and Spain. You call it a Camino. It's a pilgrimage. And you kind of don't really give enough credit to the fact that you've just walked nearly 800 Ks. It's, it's, a, big, it's a big thing. And, and meeting and talking with pilgrims from around the world is one of the great joys, isn't it, Gary? You, you don't know who oh, you'll massively. be sitting with at dinner that oh, yeah. night. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Tell us a Camino story. Camino story. Ah, <laughs> uh, Camino story. Well, <clears throat> like everybody, you, you, there's lots of stories on the Camino. I guess that's what makes it um, part of the experience and part of the, the journey. And um, there was one 
<coughs> story that I'll try to tell <laughs> quickly, but I'm not really good at that. So here we go. Um, I was in a place called Granyon, mm. um, just past Santo Domingo, yeah. that church there. Yeah. And staying there, I, um, <clears throat> like most days in the community, you meet lots of people, and there was a particular girl there that was quite attractive. Um, and I wasn't there looking for any of that type of stuff. But I think sometimes in life, you know, when, you, when you're walking through life or even the Camino, you see these certain people and you think, oh, in another life, and I'd tell her that, you know, you're attractive, maybe we can go out for a drink sometime. But uh, at the time, it was just a fleeting sort of thing where I thought, you know, so just I'm just daydreaming sort of thing. And um, anyway, towards the end of the night there, we had this, um, I'm not sure if you, did you stay there at all, that, that church? I haven't stayed walked, there, but yeah. I know about it, yeah. Mm. Um, so, so at the end there, we had like this candlelit um uh, moment where we all sat down as pilgrims and, and the, the um, hospital arrows asked us to tell our own story and what we wished for others. And in between the story, we we shared a moment where there was a hug and felt like something was there between us. But I just thought it was me being a bit melancholy and, and just passed it to one side. Of course, I've just quite a long relationship and I wasn't in that space. So the next day I carried on walking and I kept bumping into this this girl and I'm not sure if I mentioned to you, but I started to start. I did start praying on the Camino, actually, um, which I can probably get into after. Um, but I, the next day, I got up and I just carried on walking by myself and just thought nothing else of it, as you do. And I kept, yeah, a couple of days later, I went to this ruined church to do because I basically what it said is I'd get up every morning and when I saw the church, I would do a little prayer and then start my day. And this church was like off the Camino, which is, wasn't like me because I kind of stuck to it like glue, really. And anyway, I went into this church. And as, as I was coming back, I, she just walked out of this albergue that was completely off the trail. So I bumped into her again and we got talking. And um, anyway, again, a few days later, and this, this kept happening like it does on the Camino, of course. And we was in Burgos. We got to, at this point, we got to Burgos. And we all, I realized that I was staying in the same hotel as this girl and her friend, because she's walking with a friend, you see. And uh, we all went out together and I got quite a few uh, wines in me, and so did she. And, and I, I managed to pluck up the courage to tell her. I thought, well, what, you know, what, what the hell sort of thing? I'm, I'm on the Camino, what have I got to lose? You know, she, she may not be back, she may not, but, you know, I had a bit of Dutch courage there. And, and yeah, I didn't realize, but she actually had the same thoughts about me in the church and she said that you know I did like you and um the hug meant something to me and yeah and and that kind of took me off guard really and made me think sometimes in life you meet these these special people and you don't find the courage or you can't you just, you just don't think it's going to work so you don't tell them how you feel and then they pass on and then I guess you think to yourself what if you know what if yeah. I told that person um, oh, what a great story and, and mm. uh, there's an old saying, the Camino won't give you what you want. It'll give you what you need. Mm. Was that true in yeah. your case? I think so, yes. And, I mean, we still keep in, in touch now. And, and what happened was, obviously, she was on a personal journey as well. where She'd been walking with a friend. And there's one low point for me where I was staying in, um, I was staying in this albergue and I was having a drink bar by myself and I, at one point, I did feel quite lonely, actually, and I did text it and said, 
because I, I know she, well, I felt that she told me she was pushing on with this Emily, you know, way past where I was. And I said, I wish you were here now. And she said, where are you? And I said, oh, I'm just, I'm just here at this bar. She goes, I'm just walking past with Emily. I said, oh, you've got to come in and say hello to me. So then she came in and she said, now my face lit up, you know, when I saw it. And she said, hang on a second. And she walked out to a friend, Emily, and said, I can't continue with you. I've got to stay here with, with Gary. Um, and she came back in and we shared a glass of wine and we walked the next, you know, over a week together on the Camino. And um, we had the most amazing experiences, amazing time together. We shared stories and what aspirations we had uh, about the future. And in the last 100 kilometers, we grabbed a pebble and we walked together through to Santiago and we left the pebble there. And it's still there now, you know, these two pebbles together on the, on the cathedral, um, on one of the ledges. So unless someone's cleaned them off, of course. But yeah, no, we, it was, um, yeah, and you are right, yeah, about gives you what you, what you need. And um, I think it brought us together in that regard. Where was she from? She's from Germany. Is Germany on your agenda? <laughs> well, it's actually, it, I mean, it wasn't, of course, um, but now things have lined up where she's actually going to meet me um, on, <laughs> I only just figured out today that it was on the 17th. So I arrived there the 1st of July in Spain and to Barcelona. And then I uh, meet her the, the following weekend. So, so yeah, so you never know um, what the future holds in that regard. But yeah, she's, she's a really kind-hearted person and she's a, yeah, she's a very sweet girl. And yeah, she's a, yeah. So hopefully you never know. That's never a great know. story. That's an even better story. But, uh, <laughs> but now being someone who has based themselves at the other end of the world from where they were born, mm. it, it, and, and it prompts this question – and you're about to go off on this epic journey, um, and who knows where you may end up. What does home look like for you? What is home for you? That's that's not a difficult question. Um, I think that's been difficult for me personally because I've spent quite a few years away from home. Um, you know, I've lived in Oz um, for about ten years. I mean, before I came to Tasmania, I lived in Alley Beach on the on the reef. Mm. Well, not actually on the reef, but, you know, um, that's the sort of area it is. And then um, Sydney, I stayed there for a while too. So, and then before then, it was Canada. I lived there and other different places in the world. So, I think really, I find that England will probably always, where I was born, will always kind of be, I suppose, home um, for me. And but Australia is somewhere that's that's home as well which is it's difficult actually it's, it's tricky to to bring that together in my mind because yeah i've got when i love i actually i actually love australia and the people in my in my opinion are better than english people <laughs> so i could um i definitely uh, you know this this country is 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 definitely deep ingrained into me yeah um, and so, so yeah i wonder if that's what perhaps you are still looking for home maybe yeah. Um, yeah maybe that's maybe that's what it is and um, i mean i do feel at home and, and i did feel at home on the camino from from day one and that's why i felt at ease i think 
as soon as it got onto the Camino, all the worries and all the problems and all the other stuff for a second there faded away when I started to walk and, yeah. and work through those. You know, I saw on your Facebook page recently you posted a quote, and you know I love quotes. It said, mm. it takes a lot of energy to hold on to what is not meant to be. Mm. And that's yeah. why I just asked you those couple of questions about home, because I think it takes a lot of energy to hold on to what is not meant to be is a great philosophy for someone like you, someone in a way kind of looking for something. And now mm. can I ask you this question? This is not an easy question to answer. Are you enjoying the search? Um, I feel like this, this <laughs> the search is a bit of an enigma and I feel like, you know, and I did feel like Australia was home and may even still continue to be so if things, if, you know, I'm going to Europe with this idea of, because what happened for me here was uh, my ex-partner, um, you know, the relationship broke down over many years up to the point where we split <coughs> and, we found ourselves in a predicament where we were both living in the same house and I was living in the room opposite from hers. And it was a very, um, shall we say, bad environment um, for me. And the only, I guess my my only way out was a, a good friend who lives in Barcelona that basically said, you know, why don't you come here and stay with me and my partner and, you know, you can then work through, you know, this this problem in your life. And, you know, if you want to go back to Australia, it's, it's always there for you. So I think for me, it kind of, that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm going there to be with, you know, my best friend who got me into traveling from the, from the get-go. And it seems to me at this point in time, I mean, in Tasmania, um, it's very difficult to get rentals at the moment because the infrastructure is taking off here. So it just seemed like I had a good friend base there and it was already established and and yeah, again, he's my best friend. I haven't seen him in many years. So I guess that's what drew me to Barcelona to, you know, work through mm. all these other things. Because like you say, and you said in your podcasts, you know, the Camino doesn't start till you get home. Um, and I think then it continues to be that Camino. And I think the Camino now is taking me back to Europe. Um, and yeah, I, I could potentially come back to Tasmania because again, in Australia, cause it is, you know, it is my home as well now. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that you started praying again on the Camino. Mm. Why? Well, I've never really prayed per se before when I was maybe younger, um, but not, not gone to church to pray. And I think primarily what it was is <clears throat> when I was on the Camino, I found out that my um, cousin had cancer. And that was a big blow to me because he... And he is like a brother to me. We grew up together and lived in the same house and we keep in touch quite regularly. And to get that on top of, you know, this 13-year relationship that I'd, I'd come out of um, because I you know, believe my, my partner was cheating on me, but that's another story. Um, all these negative emotions were happening. And on top of this, uh, I met a person that said, tomorrow it's going to thunderstorm all week. And I was like, oh, no, no. I, I really didn't want it to thunderstorm. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know I didn't know how to help him 
And the only way I knew how to help him was I thought, you know what, I'm on this Camino. And sure, that's got to count for something, you know, in, in, in the eyes of God. Um, so I, I'm going to pray. There's, there's nothing else I could do at that point. I needed to be on the Camino, but I needed to help him also. So I was like, well, I'm going to pray then. So I decided to pray. And, and, and in the prayer, obviously, I said, I hope he gets the healing he, he needs. And then at the end, I said, and if you, if you can help the weather in the next couple of days, <laughs> um, I, I also said, I will pray every single day on the Camino. And I promise you this, I've, I've made a promise to God. And um, literally the next, it would rain that whole day and the night as well. That next day we woke up to beautiful blue skies and the weather just changed. Oh, that's awesome. And it continued to be blue every single day. Oh, like that's awesome. Every day. So, of course, I had to pray. <laughs> I didn't want to jinx it. So. But it, was, it felt really good to do that because my, my um, I guess, promise was that I would get up and before I'd start, I'd find a church. And, you know, as you know, some of them aren't open. So I'd place my hand on the church and I'd say the Lord's Prayer because I knew this from back in childhood. And then I'd also talk a bit about wishing other pilgrims a safe journey and for them to find their um, answers. And also, of course, the people I'd met, I'd pray for those people, you know, the people that weren't well or the people that were going through their problems, I'd pray for them and hope and hoped that they would find the strength and the same as me to finish the Camino because it is a big, it's a big thing doing the Camino. And um, yeah, and that I continue to, to do so. Um, How yeah. wonderful. That's it. That's fantastic. You know, um, the, the next question I have written down here is, did you expect um, this transformation? But I think you've already answered that because you didn't expect it, did you? No. No. And, and, and so take another step back then. What then, and you talked about the fact that you knew the Lord's Prayer from, from childhood, what do your family and friends make of, of this Gary Chester's in 2019, this pilgrim. Um, well, I have, I have spoke to Nan Grandad since I've obviously been back, and I spoke to him about it. And, and I think sometimes I, I, I tell people, you know, when it comes into conversation, that I started praying on the Camino. Um, and yeah, they've not really sort of really given me any feedback in regards to that. Uh, I think it was, I mean, for me personally, it was, it was my personal journey and it was also very therapeutic as well to, I guess, talk to hopefully someone out there that's listening. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. It, 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 pra- <coughs> praying in many respects is, is a positive, positive affirmation. It's a, it's mm. a, you know, it's, and it's good to be able to put your wishes, <laughs> put your wishes into a kind of succinct, uh, my family pray before every meal. We we mm. even if we're at the club down the street or the pub, <laughs> having dinner, we do. We say we we yeah. we bless ourselves and we say a little prayer because it's gratitude, it's just yeah. something that we do. That's exactly right. It's gratitude, mm. um, and yeah. I think it's a very important thing to do. <laughs> I, 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 we're running out of time, unfortunately, but I wanted to ask you: How do you explain or describe the Camino to people who ask about it? I think I would explain and describe it as 
to go into the Camino with no expectations of what will happen. I mean, for me, <clears throat> I think for a lot of people, you walk the Camino and you don't get this massive flash of light. And the Camino doesn't work like that. It, it kind of comes from underneath and from around the side. And you do change as a person. It does change you. And you don't realize that this is happening and until you start making action when you get back and you start then going like I did, I, there's no way I would think I would go to, to Barcelona and, you know, lift my life up here and, and move to there. And I'm going obviously through, before I get there, I'm going through um, Kathmandu in India, which I leave on Tuesday, this Tuesday, um, for five weeks. Um, so these things I'd never have had the, I guess, courage to do without this transformation happening in, in my life. If, if someone is listening to this thinking, I've never been religious, I've never been spiritual, but I'm listening to Gary, who packed up on really on a whim and ended up on the Camino, ended up a person who prays, um, ended up meeting someone who he felt a very deep connection with. Um, you probably, if I could say so, you surprised yourself by your ability to 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 be to operate on a kind of spiritual level in many ways. And you've undertaken this crazy journey, a pilgrim's life. You're about to head off to Nepal and then you're going to base yourself in Barcelona. You have turned your life upside down. If someone's listening to this thinking, I could never do that, what would you say to them? I'd say it's in the same as you said to me, Dan, which was, just do it. <laughs> don't, don't think about it too much. Just do it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. One more question. Has the Camino changed your life? Oh, massively, massively. It's, it's changed every aspect of my life. And, you know, I have traveled a great deal, but the Camino has, has been one of those experiences that has transformed me in a lot of different ways. Um, as we've we've talked about on the podcast, for the for the positive, I've I've ne- I, fe- I feel now that I can follow I guess my feeling my heart rather than always keep listening to my head that I, I tend to do and I guess and I and I feel that and um, why I'm making these moves now because I'm I'm following I'm back in the flow of life whereas before I was out of that flow and I feel a great deal happier being in that flow of life once again and I thank Camino for that. I'm going to close with another quote that you posted on your social media a little while back, Amit Ray, who said, life's not always perfect, like a road. It has many bends, up and down, but that's its beauty. Congratulations, Gary, for having the courage to walk a different road. And I know that our paths will cross again. It may well be on the Camino. Thank you for taking the time to share your story and your journey with me and my listeners. Buen Camino. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Buen Camino, Dan. My guest this week, the Tasmanian pilgrim Gary Chesters. It was the British writer and lay theologian C.S. Lewis who said, you are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. Time waits for no one, pilgrims. If you'd like to support the work I do here on the podcast, you can sponsor me via Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins or danmullinsmusic.com. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way.